Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fudge and Meat. My name is Anastasia. I'm Meat. And I'm Lily, and I am Fudge. Lily's not in a fantastic mood right now because of the World Series. We will get to that in a little bit, but we're super... I wish you guys could see her face right now. But we are super excited because we are doing a highly requested video. We've actually had a lot of people ask us to post a video explaining the basics of football. Um, so essentially, I'm just going to go over how the game works. Football is a very complex sport. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot that goes into it. And so the goal of today is not for you to completely understand exactly what's going on, but for those of you who have no idea what's going on, hopefully after this brief explanation, you'll be able to watch a game and kind of be able to follow along with it. And then from there, I think once you know the basic rules and you're able to sit down and watch a game, I think that's when you start to pick up, pick up on the, the nuances of football. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. Um, and later, hopefully, we're going to get to a basics of baseball episode, which is yeah. also very exciting. Yeah, we'll hopefully get that up. Um, originally, we were planning on it being sometime after the World Series, but mm -hmm. just expect it at some point, probably coming up in the next couple of weeks or so. I would guess soon. I would guess yeah. soon. Um, so let's get on to football. So Hell yeah. Football is a game that spans, well... Game time spans one hour. There are 30-minute halves and 15-minute quarters. It is on a 100-yard field, and it is against two teams of 11 players facing each other, an offense of one team and a defense of another. Now, each team has um, 53 players on their active roster, but only 46 are able to be suited up for the game and ready to go. So the reason behind this is that if you could have a bigger roster than that, um, teams could hold on to potentially young players who could become really influential. And so they cap the amount of players a team can have so that there's a chance that other players get traded to other teams. And it just kind of creates, um, how, how would you describe it? It creates a bit more fun in the game, right? When you don't know yeah. what to expect season you'll see people traded during the season or dropped and picked up as they go because they're trying to fill that 53-man roster with the best people they can get at that time um, and there's also a thing called injured reserve if players are injured but the team doesn't want to let them go they can hold them on the injured reserve so they are not on the or they are still part of the 53-man roster but you don't have to drop them so you can only have two people on injured reserve usually you'll see um really valuable players, that's who they like to keep on IR. Now, the goal of football is to get the ball to one end of the field to score a touchdown. So the end that you're facing is an end that you want to go to. And when you score a touchdown, which means you get the ball into the end zone, that is six points. And then the field goal that you kick after that touchdown is an extra point, which is the seven that you usually see. Now, there is a time where teams can go for two. Instead of kicking a field goal, they'll actually just try to run the ball into the end zone again and get an extra two points instead of one, but that's pretty rare. You'll usually see the touchdown with the field goal after. Now, an important thing to note is that when it comes to making a touchdown, you actually don't need the entire player in the end zone. The only thing that has to cross the line to the end zone is the ball. So how this works is that essentially the ball has to be over the end zone line before the player is down. So a player is only considered down. So when a player is down, that is where the ball, um, 
that's where the line of scrimmage for the next play is placed, right? So when they're going to do a second play, the line of scrimmage starts right where the ball is. And a player's only down if anything besides his hands or his feet touch the ground. I feel like you'll usually see knees. Mm. So in order to score a touchdown, you just got to reach the ball across the line before anything besides your hand or feet hit the ground, right? Awesome. So in order to get a touchdown, you do this in a series of plays or what we call downs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you have four chances to cross 10 yards. And if you're able to make it across 10 yards or more, you have another four chances to do the same thing. Essentially, in those chances, the quarterback can either throw the ball across the field to a receiver, he can hand it off to a running back who rushes the ball on the ground, or the quarterback can run with the ball himself. If you don't make it across the 10 yards in four plays, um, you'll actually see when you watch a game in a real-life game, they have markers on the sides of the fields, but on the TV, they're very nice, and they draw that line across the field for you so you can see exactly how far they have to go. If they don't make it in four downs, a team has a few options. If they are afraid that the ball is too close to the other team's end zone. So if the other team got the ball in that spot, they'd be really close and it would be really easy for them to score a touchdown. The team who has the ball on their fourth down can punt it. So a kicker will come and punt it across the field and it'll be received for either a touchback or they'll run with it. Or, if a team is close enough, they can try to score a field goal alone without the touchdown. So if you kick a field goal without the touchdown preceding it, that's three points. Um, And there's also a very rare case, which is sometimes the teams will try to make it on the fourth down. They'll try to cross that 10-yard line. You really only see this if the team is really far behind or the clock is winding down and they absolutely have to score in order to win. I'd say going on fourth down is a pretty rare case because if they don't make it across the um, the 10 yard line on the fourth down, if they don't make those yards, wherever the ball ends up is where the other team is allowed to start their game. Um, so just kind of going over some of the offensive positions, the guys you'll see most often, the quarterback is the guy who throws the ball. Um, he, either he calls the plays or the coach calls the plays. The quarterbacks have headsets in. A wide receiver, those are the guys who run really far downfield and catch the ball. You have running backs. They're the ones who the quarterbacks will hand it off to and they'll carry it. Um, you have tight ends. Their job is to open up a hole in the other team's defense so other players can get through. But because tight ends are on offense, sometimes you will also see them carry the ball. And then you have the offensive line. They protect the quarterback. You'll see a group of really big guys creating what we call a pocket around the quarterback. It's kind of like a little physical pocket, the tackle box. And that's their job is they're protecting their quarterback from getting tackled. Yeah, I like. I think that description, um, the way that you, you, get, you create a good mental image for uh, the pocket. I don't know. I really enjoyed that aspect. But you're doing, I think. <laughs> Lily, Lily likes the pocket. Yeah. I, um, so I would say that is basically the rules of football. Whoever gets the most points in the end, so the most touchdowns and field goals wins. But there are a few other things I'd like to bring up that I think happen often enough that it'd be nice to know about them. Uh, So the first one is an interception. 
That is when a quarterback throws the ball, but it is caught by a player on the other team. This means that the other team, so whoever catches it, now has possession of the ball. It's their turn to start their four downs and make it to their field goal or make it to their end zone. Um, and especially if a player is able to catch a ball, make an interception, and run it all the way for a touchdown and get those six points, we call that a pick six for that reason. Uh, we went over the fact that a touchdown only needs to cross the line. We also talked about downs. That's the same thing for tackling um, or if a wide receiver is running with the ball. Wherever any body part besides his hands or feet touch the ground, that is where the line of scrimmage will begin. So if a ball is never caught, that is called an incomplete. The play is dead. The ball is not live and they start the next play, right? So say you're on second down and it's an incomplete, they go straight on to third down. However, if a ball is caught and then it's dropped, so if, if there is a complete pass first and then it's dropped, that's what we call a fumble. Because it was caught first and it was a complete catch, if it's dropped, that ball is live. So whoever recovers the ball first, offense or defense, whoever recovers that fumble, they are the ones who now have possession of the ball. And once again, um, if the team who was already throwing it, if they recover it, they just continue with whatever down they were on. But if the other team gets possession of that ball, they get to start once again with their four downs and go towards their end zone. And one important thing to note, I think this is the last thing I'll talk about, is about who goes first and how that works. The games always start with a coin toss. So whoever wins the coin toss has the opportunity to choose whether they want to start with the ball or in the second half. They can defer to the second. Um, I would say I usually see teams choose to defer to second half. This is because when it comes to the second half of the game, right, you already lost 30 minutes of the game. Half of the game is over. And so you have a greater advantage starting with the ball in the second half because you have less time to score points. So I would say I usually see teams choose to defer to the second, but they don't have to. Um, in the beginning of the game and at halftime, the ball begins at the 50-yard line, so right in the middle of the field. So to recap, 11 players on each side, their goal is to get the ball into the end zone or score a field goal to get the most points, and whoever has the most points wins. Now, football, like I said, is really complex, and there's a lot more that goes into it. We could be talking about types of plays. We could be talking about types of fouls, but I think that would be a little complex, especially because this is a podcast, and we don't have any visuals to connect to it. So, hopefully, that was a brief enough description that you were able to follow along and listen to me, but also in-depth enough that you could watch a game of football and kind of get a grip about what's going on and pick up more information on your own. Yeah, and I think um, hopefully in the future too, let's see if we would have any listeners who had any questions um, about specific topics or occurrences within the game. I think we'd be more than happy to try to answer those to the best of our abilities. We'd be absolutely happy to talk about those things. So like I said, uh, the basics of football was actually a request of certain people. So if you have a request or you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us and we will try our best to answer them. 
Um, I think the most important thing to remember about fudge and meat is that we are totally unqualified to be talking mm-hmm. about any of the things that we are talking about. We are simply two girls who love sports. Um, but yeah, that is the basics of football. So now, now that you guys have the basics of football, now that you have a nice grasp of what's going on in the game, we're going to talk a little bit about the most recent Packer game and what was going on there. So kick it off, Lily. Hell yeah, let's get into it. Um, first of all, I'd like let's to say, yeah, congrats to being able to just explain football. I think that was in like 12 minutes. Uh, so great I'm job not going to lie. I was, it was pretty hard. There's a lot that goes into it. I was a little overwhelmed looking at it at first, but I think that is concise enough. Yeah, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that with baseball, but I'm going to try my damn hardest, but we'll um, see. <laughs> we'll see. So without, um, without any hesitation, let's get into the last Packers game. So we played against the Texans and we got a W right there and it was 35 to 20. And I think right away, like right off the bat, uh, this just seemed a lot more like us. It was kind of a Packers team that seemed a lot more comfortable. They seemed more present. They seemed more with it. And I wasn't sitting and watching and going, what the hell is going on? I was a little bit more at ease. And I just like being able to see a team that kind of seemed to bounce back. We were able to rebound real nice. And it just was great to see a performance that actually looked like us. Um, I think um, I think it really alleviated the pressure from the last game. Yeah, you know, how a lot of us became really concerned, and we talked about on the last podcast that when we watch a bad Packer game, it kind of sticks with us the whole week. So it was really nice to see our team back in action, doing uh, what they're supposed to be doing and performing the way that we usually expect them to perform. Yeah, and I know from like practices throughout the week, it did seem like they were just a little bit more themselves. I think the attitude seemed better. And I just didn't get the same feelings that I did um, during our bye week. Mm-hmm. And even with that being said, I was a little concerned because we were without Aaron Jones still and David Bakhtiari. And those are central parts to our team, central parts to our offense. And with an offense that hadn't been performing, I think I had kind of low expectations going into this, especially since we had high expectations for Devante being back. And then he really didn't do anything. So I was a little wary, a little nervous going into it, mm-hmm. but they quelled all my concerns and ended up being a pretty great game. So, especially Devonte, yeah. talking well, about talking about Devonte. Lily had Devonte on her fantasy team and absolutely destroyed me. All of my players underperformed and all of hers went crazy. So, no worries about Devonte Adams. Our boy's back. <laughs> no, so ever, it looks like. Yeah, Lily and I were finally had a head-to-head against each other. Anastasia and I had a head to head-to-head against each other um, this week. And oh you were the one that told me to, like, go in and edit my lineup because I just had been really preoccupied and forgot. Yeah, I should have never play. done that. <laughs> <It's zero. laughs> basically, so, I basically allowed Lily to beat me. So. Yeah, because um, Ravens had their bye week, and I had Lamar Jackson, and then a handful of other Raven players, so then... You reminded me to switch that up, so I picked up Joe Burrow, who also had a great game. And you know what? This again, this is a completely different topic. This is about fantasy, so we can dive back in and talk about one of my star performers of my fantasy team, Devontae Adams. Uh, back at the yeah, Packers. Back at the Packers. So um, Adams was definitely back in like the form we expect him in. He had uh, 13 passes for 196 yards and two touchdowns. Sheesh. 
And believe it or not, my favorite stat about this is that this yardage was the most by a Packers receiver since uh, Jordy Nelson versus the Jets in 2014, in which he had a uh, 209 yard game. So, Ooh, big performance man. out there for Devontae. I miss Devante. Jordy. I miss I Jordy, but Devontae has really stepped it up. I mean, if we're being honest, I think Devontae has always been insanely talented, but specifically oh, yeah. the last game, he was getting yards. <laughs> oh, he just like was really able to connect to Rodgers and just put on a great show, and I love seeing it. Um, I think when Rodgers and Devontae are able to make that connection, um, when mm-hmm. Rodgers is able to make that pass, the two of them together really is a special thing. I would say oh, yeah. it's it's almost foolproof. It's ridiculous. When they're connecting and consistent, it's great. And speaking of Rodgers... He completed 14 out of 17 passes for 162 yards. Insane. Insane. Yeah, and Jamal Williams had a fantastic day. And he just, like, the way that his stats are split up was really intriguing to me. And I think watching the game, you were able to pick up on that, too. Mm -hmm. So he had um, 114 yards from scrimmage. And he had 19 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown. And then four receptions for 37 yards. And that's the thing that he's been surprising me with all year is just, like, as a receiver, I feel like he's fairly consistent and ends up being somebody that Rodgers can look for, which I'm always like, wait, who do we throw that to? And then I'm like, oh, Jamal? Okay. I think he's, I think he's a fantastic running back. But what you were talking about with those stats, what I see with those stats is that Jamal Williams is really versatile. Yeah. Right? I, I feel like, like you were saying, Rodgers... Um, thinks that Jamal is someone that he can rely on, and it seems that Jamal is someone that he can rely on in a lot of different situations, which is really important. Not to mention, I love the energy that that guy oh, brings so to the field. Nobody else makes me laugh like Jamal Williams. I adore him in interviews. I, you can tell in every interview he's absolutely not paying attention to a single question that's asked, and I love it. <laughs> he really, he's in his own world. And Jamal's world really is a world that I want to be a part of because the energy yeah, like he if brings, you... he's so excited to play. He's always so happy during the games and just his juice. That's all I can say is he's got juice. Like if you ever need to pick me up, honestly, just look up some of Jamal Williams interviews because it'll, it's worth it. it they're incredible. What? Just like, look up Jamal, Mil- Jamal Williams mermaid. Please. And you'll have That's a fantastic all we're asking. night. You'll have a fantastic night. That's like all we're asking. And I think especially to see this is, or like what I'm seeing from it is everyone kind of, I, you kind of have to look at him this way with how good Aaron Jones is. He's just kind of seen as a secondary um, running back. And like, yeah. You can't but, deny Aaron Jones is one of the best running backs in the league. Yeah. But you also have to give Jamal Williams so much credit because he's just been consistently a go-to guy for the past couple seasons. And I think he deserves a little bit more credit for how good he is and just shouldn't be looking. We shouldn't just look at him as like, oh, yeah, him, who we have when Jones is in. Because he does play consistently even when we do have a healthy Aaron Jones. But Mm -hmm. even so, let's let's give the guy some credit. He's great. He's funny. Amazing. Um... Getting into some other statistics, um, congrats to Jay Sternberger and Malik Taylor for their first career touchdown. I 
I always love seeing players get their first um, touchdowns of the season. And I think Sternberger and Taylor, they're guys whose names I've heard of for a while. I think they are a really integral part of the team. So it was really exciting to see them get those first touchdowns. So big round of applause to them. Yeah, first career touchdowns. That's so pretty great. proud of them. Exciting. And I think this also just goes to show the versatility of like the Packers offense is I think when we're able to go to multiple guys and get those points um, and scoring plays from guys that aren't just like Aaron Jones, Devante, Jamal Williams, like when we can do that, I think it's a really successful team. And that's something that I kind of hope that we can continue to see as um, the season goes on and progresses. Well, what I love is that throughout this podcast, um, you know, the names that we were expecting to say were Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams. But it's really amazing to see how many other guys have really come into the spotlight. You, I see your little eyebrow wiggle there, especially Big Bob, Robert Tanyan. Yes. We ha- have to bring him up. Absolutely adore him. Fantastic tight end. We need a good tight end. But like we were saying, there's guys like Jamal Williams. There was Alan Lazard in his time mm-hmm. before his core surgery. Malik Taylor and... Sternberger, you know, we also have talked about Dugara. We saw AJ yep. Dillon play his first game this season, which is fantastic. Um, and I just really love bringing up all these guys because it's not what I was expecting to do. But the fact that Aaron no. Rodgers is really able to make use of every single person on that roster, I think is fantastic. And it's made for some really impressive plays. Exactly. And I don't know. I think that's just something I hope to continue to see as a trend throughout the season. Um, and in, so that kind of is like concludes my summary of the game, but there's some other Packers news. Um, so yeah, so we did end up releasing, um, guard Ben Braden. However, welcome linebacker James Burgess. We, uh, picked him up, signed him from the Falcons practice squad, but I think the name that I saw that was a little bit bigger this week, um, was wide receiver Seth Roberts, and he is a vet, and he's played for the Raiders, Ravens, and Panthers. He has had 183 career receptions, 15 touchdowns. This year, however, um, he's played, I think it was um, every, all four games with the Panthers, they said, but he's had just four catches for 31 yards. I think that probably would be five games, but I don't know. Um, But just four catches for 31 yards. So I don't know how he'll contribute into like the upcoming weeks, but I'm interested to see how Seth Roberts may contribute. Um, Hopefully we'll see him on the field uh, or get a feel for him, but I don't know. It's interesting to see these additions um, just especially when they're not usually like the types of names I expect. Um, This means a wide receiver, but I think the front office or um, whatever's going on with like our general manager they're obviously doing something and they have some ideas of good accounts has something going on. Yeah. And I don't want to brain and I'm not going to stop him. I, I remember during the, the, the draft, all of us Mm -hmm. were so concerned with how it went. And, you know, I think a lot of us were worried about receivers and tight ends that we felt like we needed weapons for Rogers, but it seems like we have weapon, we have weapons enough, Mm -hmm. you know, we have more weapons than we need. So I guess good he knows best. Yeah, I mean, you just have to trust him, I guess. And if we are c- going to continue on this trend through the season with playing pretty consistently well, other than the incident, um, 
I guess I'm just gonna have to kind of trust in his decisions and the choices he's making. Um, but yeah, it was just, it's been, it was nice to kind of see them back in shape a little bit more. And just to know that they looked like they were fighting for it. And actually, not that they didn't want to be there against the Buccaneers, but it looked like they really wanted it. And it just had a little bit more passion and fire within them. So good for them. Good for them. Now, there's one more person I really actually do want to talk about because I have been noticing him a lot recently in these games. Um, we've talked about in the past that we love that the Packers have been making rookies into stars. Um, we're able to take undrafted agents or really low draftees and make them into incredible players. And one of these players is Chris Barnes. Now, he's on the defense. He is a linebacker and Chris Barnes was only moved from the practice squad to the active roster basically directly before game one. Now this is a really impressive stat. It was between the first four games. We are now up to six, um, but there had only been 85 snaps at the time. He's six for two, 229 pounds. And he was second after four games, second on the Packers defense with 23 tackles and 14 of those were solo he had performed those alone and I had see, I have seen Chris Barnes you know making consistent tackles since those first four games unfortunately I just saw news that he has been having shoulder problems and that's why in the last game we saw um the rookie from Minnesota Kamal Martin come in in his place but I just wanted to give a little shout out to Chris Barnes because I think that he has gone a little under the radar, but you mm -hmm. can tell that he has played a really significant role on the Packers' defense, especially being a rookie, um, and I'm glad to have him here. Yeah, I don't think we've covered enough on our defense and just how they've been. I think because it hasn't been, like, huge noticeable, noticeable performances of, like, the defense really, like, kicking into gear. Um, but again, no, no hate to that, like... I think there have been huge oh, efforts. Oh, we love efforts our on. defense. Yeah. You know, honestly, next, next, promise you, next episode, we will focus on our defense because I would love to talk more about the Smith brothers. We love Z. We love Preston. We love Jair Alexander. And I'd like to see more if he comes back of what Chris Barnes can do. And if not, Chris, I want to watch Kamal Martin and see what's going on there. Exactly. There's so many great people to talk about. Um, and... Just a lot of, again, I think, I don't always think about the defense having, like, a ton of, I don't want to say a ton of character, but, you know, that you don't usually have, like, a ton of guys that all have these huge personas and a ton of energy they bring out in the field. Like, really, within past Packers history, I can remember the only guy that ever comes to mind really was, like, Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews. Or <laughs> yeah, and, like, now I, like, look to the defense, and you have guys like, yeah, the Smith Bros, Zadarius brings so much energy. I and love then, like Jair. It's just great to see like I don't we <laughs> talk we, about personality, Jair. Just like Jamal, you know, I feel I kind of put them on a similar wavelength. If you if you want to have a good day, look up Jair, look up Jamal and you'll have follow a, both of them on Instagram, please. And you'll have um, a fantastic promise. Yeah, next week we'll brilliant. Yeah, we'll we'll cover we'll do a little up on the defense next week we'll and just kind of talk about defensive special. Yeah, talk about some of the um, the stats and everything that's going on there. Yeah. Ooh, I would like to talk about what's bringing my mood down right now. So I got to so say, sorry to move on from football. We're gonna yeah digress. Quick into... little baseball corner. 
Um, congrats to the Los Angeles Dodgers on your mm. first World Series in 32 years. Um, they, I really have to say, like, they were so dominant this season. Even this season, you could just tell that they were, like, they were really in it to win it. And I just don't like the Dodgers. I think I'm still butthurt from 2018 postseason playing against them. <laughs> Um, because the Brewers were so close to going to the World Series and didn't get there. But they're a great team. Um, they obviously really wanted it, but I've been rooting for the Rays. And that's, I'm not just a bandwagon person, I promise. I have been eyeing up Tyler Glass now since uh, last season. Um, so this isn't new. I've respected their game for a while. And they also have um, Brett Phillips and Jimin Choi, who were also, also played for the Brewers. So, you know, I had a lot to root for with them. And you kind of have to love, like, a little bit more of an underdog story. They're not spending the type of money that the Dodgers were. So I'm a little bummed out. But, like, mad respect to the Rays for having such a good season and for coming that close. But, yeah, kind of, I'm just, I just don't like the Dodgers. I'm a little bummed. <laughs> Quote, I just don't like the Dodgers. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. I think also, to the... Um, 2019 uh, MVP race. I'm still bitter about that. Sorry, Cody Bellinger, but that was Christian Yelich's, and I will I will always stand by that. But it's, um, Christian Yelich won it in our hearts. He we know, more we than won it in my heart. Yeah, we know the truth. Like I get it, defense, blah. But stats don't lie, my guy. And if you want to fight me, I <laughs> you, you are more than prepared. I will come at you full force. That's and that is a promise that I. That's a fud promise. If um, I had to give all of you guys any advice, I would not mention any Yelich slander within the radius of Lily Shoe fudge over there because that that is her man. One that thing we're in, so we're not into baseball yet, but one thing that we will not accept in the Fudge Meat family is slander on Christian Yelich. Um, that's just not welcome. Basically, like slander on Aaron Rodgers. You just can't do it. We just no. won't accept it. You know, like some criticism can be welcome. We understand that. Absolutely. But- we're able to watch a game and we're able to critique what's happening. But overall, don't. These guys, <laughs> guys, rule our hearts. <laughs> That's, I think that's well put. <laughs> Thank you. So, that's a great closing statement on that discussion. Um, yeah, I think that just about covers it for this week, I'd say. Yeah, so thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hopefully, even though there were no visuals, I hope my explanation will help some of you first-time watchers better understand the game of football and grasp it. Um and yeah, we're really excited to do the baseball episode and we're really excited to see where the Packers season is going after that really awesome win. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, All something right, so you th- could see is our reactions and things that we're doing. It just Maybe one day we'll think about maybe one day we'll think about YouTube videos. <laughs> but for now, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We appreciate it so much. If you have any suggestions or requests, like we've been saying, feel free to contact us and maybe we will get to your questions. But for now, we're signing off. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you always.